Oh, well, thank you so much for that welcome and what a joy to be here. What a buzz, really, just to see what God's doing. And uh, uh, some places you go, we get the privilege, myself and Michelle, traveling all over the world now. And I'm kind of spending more time on the global vision of the message, which is all a bit crazy when it was just a couple of scallywags in Manchester 30 plus years ago. But we're working in 95 nations around the world. And so we get to travel a lot and we go a lot of places and it's all good. Some places you go and it's just exhausting though. It's hard work. You're pouring yourself out. Other places you go and you just feel your face stirred and you feel envisioned and you want to go again. And honestly, and I know Michelle would say exactly the same, that... that um, we feel like that coming here. We just feel like, yes, we want to go again. God's good and look what can happen through some faithful people 30 plus years ago, just had a go and started out with a dream with a little church plant. But knowing that God had said, think big or you'll limit me. That's where this all started with half a dozen or so people in a little house, but believing for something big. And you know why God's blessed it? Key part of the reason God has blessed it. So much has happened is because they were touching into, Dave and Cowan and that small team were touching into the irresistible currency of heaven. It's called faith. And uh, I heard about some research recently about fast growing churches in Australia. And these people wanted to find, is there anything about these super fast growing churches that are really transforming society? Anything that we can learn? Is it the facilities? Is it the worship team, the style of preaching, the small groups? You know, what is it? So they did all this research and they came away a little bit dumbfounded because the only common denominator they could find amongst all these fast growing churches in Australia from all sorts of different styles and this and that was they thought they were going to grow. They planned for growth. They basically thought big, knowing that if they didn't, God was going to limit it. That was literally the only thing. It's called faith, you see. And I don't know about you, but I feel faith in this room. I feel we've got faith for this next season. Not just faith to think big, but to think bigger and beyond. And I love that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus looked around this church, his Holy Spirit's here, we can't see him, but he's very present. And he found faith. He's looking for faith on the earth. People are like, what could you do, God, in this next season? If we behave ourselves and keep our eyes on you and do what it says in the book, what could you do through ordinary people like us? We'll be astonished. You know, in the Bible, the only time we read about Jesus being amazed, in fact, it happens twice in the Bible. And if you're the creator of the universe, it takes quite a lot to get you amazed. You know, you've seen some good stuff. And so you're like, but, but the Bible says twice in Mark chapter six, it says he was amazed by people's lack of faith. He went to his hometown uh, and they weren't having it. They just, and, and despite all the wonderful things they'd seen. And the Bible says in Mark chapter six, verse five, he couldn't do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people. Now that's a bad day for Jesus. But, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. However, in Luke chapter seven, verse nine, Jesus goes to another territory and there's a, there's a centurion there who's not even a Jewish guy and his daughter's very, very sick. And he says to Jesus, you just say the word and my daughter will be healed. You don't even need to come to my house. You just say the word and I am absolutely in faith that you can do that and you'll heal her. And Jesus says, well, the Bible says he was amazed by this man's faith. 
And he said, I've not even found faith like this anywhere in Israel. What's it gonna be, Kingsgate? Are we gonna amaze Jesus by our lack of faith after all his 100% track record of faithfulness, after all he's done for us over all these years, or are we gonna amaze him by our great faith as we look towards this next season of thinking bigger and thinking beyond? I love that God's saying, think bigger personally. Yeah, we believe that God can use ordinary people like us. It's always been his delight, but intergenerationally, the fact that it's a multicultural thing that God's doing in a fresh and exciting way through this church. But regionally, yes, we're not just thinking, you know, three church pants and a few people online. We're thinking, let's see this society transformed. Let's see a move of the spirit in this neighbourhood that changes society. Don't you want that? God's done it in the past. We're believing for that bigger, but also internationally. The reaper, whenever there's a move of God, it touches the nations. Missionaries go out, prayers go out, giving goes out, the nations are blessed. What could happen if we could truly buy into this key verse? And I love this as well, Ephesians 3 verse 20. You know that's a key verse that God's put on Dave and Karen's heart for this next season. It says, God's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think or imagine. Isn't that an astonishing statement? Our God can do more not a little bit more, much more, immeasurably more than all we ask. I don't know what you're asking, personally, intergenerationally, regionally, internationally, what are you asking? Bible says God can do not just immeasurably more than all we ask, but all you imagine, all you're dreaming. Think about why I'm dreaming for the message trust in this next season. God can do immeasurably more. What an astonishing thought. Here's the next astonishing thought. He does it according to Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, according to His power at work in us. God's going to do anything massive in this next season. It's going to be through ordinary people like us. As we get filled with His Spirit, we're obedient to Him, we go in His name and we start to see His immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. I hope that excites you. It really should. <laughs> About the same time, Dave and Karen and four or five other people launched this church plant 35 years ago. We were having our own Think Big Dreams, you know. Myself and my brother, we were two young entrepreneurs, had a fashion business in Manchester, in the city of Manchester, employed lots of local scallywags, and we were stirred by their broken lives. And we just said, somebody's got to do something. So naively and arrogantly, we decided we we're going to book the biggest rock venue in Manchester for a week. Even though nobody knew us, I was just a, a youth worker, you know, volunteer youth worker in the local church. But we decided we were going to book the biggest rock venue and get a mailing list and write to every church and challenge them to do mission, especially mission to the margins. And I remember having the idea at this Harrogate fashion fair with my brother Simon and driving back. Have you ever had this experience like God's spoken about think big or you'll limit me and driving back from the Harrogate Fashion Fair, feeling like the wheels of my car were an inch off the ground. I'm like, look out devil, here come the Hawthorne brothers. <laughs> and then I got home and I was like, Ugh. every ounce of faith drained out of me as if you could do that. You've not got the gifting, you've not got the resources, nobody knows you. You're just a young guy in your 20s with a heart. And I said, oh God, please speak to me. If this is right, if you want us to step out like we've never stepped out before. And that night, my set reading, God did speak to me. It was Isaiah 43. It was, ah, oh, think big or you'll limit me verses. 
It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? There'll be rivers in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals will honour me. Those are formed to declare my praise. And in some ways, in well over three decades, we've not left those verses. Now, we're, we're at its best. The message is a pioneering apostolic if you like, entrepreneurial movement, ducking and diving, trying to see what God's doing, but perceiving it in prayer, seeking Him and believing, actually believing that we could even be a revival movement. Ordinary people like us, that rivers could flow into the driest, most barren places, rivers of life, rivers of transformation. And even the wild animals, which was a great description of some of the young lads and girls we were employing, they're living like wild animals, addicted and broken and chaotic. They were formed to declare His praise. And everywhere, there's people who are living like wild animals, but that's not God's design for their life. Jesus wants to interrupt that and save them and set them free. So we got on with it. And actually, we, we did a thing. We called it Message 88, 1988. And it became biggest youth mission Manchester's ever seen. Not because we knew what we were doing, because God just blessed us and opened doors and favoured it. We did it again in 89. And then I, I formed a funny band. We called it the Worldwide Message Tribe. And uh, we were terrible. I couldn't sing, dance or rap. I used to rap like a kind of demonised member of Sesame Street. I'd go into schools and I'd go, everybody get God. And I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. And the kids are going, it's amazing. Can I come to your gigs, please, and hear the gospel? And God favoured that band. And we literally did get popular all over the world. And, uh, and then I left the business and we set up the charity. What a journey it's been. You know, initially it was a one-man band in my mate's spare bedroom. But now we have hundreds of team here in the UK. And as I say, we work in 95 nations. And we have seen God do so much. And, um, and we have... Creative mission teams, which are way better at rapping and singing, dancing than I ever was. Fortunately, I hung my rapping boots about 30 years ago. Uh, but when we have community transformation, like about 850 people who live in the most deprived neighbourhoods, just serving the poor and the broken, prisons teams and businesses and these amazing community groceries with over 50,000 member families and so much more. And we train evangelists all over the world. And, and uh, if, if you love any of our free resources, just check us out. Please, we'd love to help you with that. What a journey it's been. And as I was at it, by the way, can I just say that's introduction? Start the clock now. No, 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 don't. I'm going to behave myself. Dave looked scared looking at the clock then. But uh, no, no, I'll behave myself. But the passage, it does kind of, I hope it puts it in context. The passage I've been asked to speak out of, which is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, which is basically your vision theme for this. We're not just think big now or you'll limit me, but think bigger. Build on Ephesians 3 verse 20. You've seen God do immeasurably more. Get ready on this platform for him to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I love the book of Acts. You know, it starts off like this, Acts chapter 1 verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. You know what his former book was? It was the Gospel of Luke. The guy who wrote Acts also wrote Luke. And Luke is the story of Jesus' amazing life, isn't it? It's all his life. It's his wonderful birth, his amazing ministry, his teaching, his healing, his, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension. It's everything Jesus did. That's Jesus' story, the Gospel of Luke. It's amazing. At the start of his story of the early church, he says this, in my former book, 
I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. No, you didn't, Luke. You wrote about everything Jesus didn't talk. But the reason it was just the beginning, we discover a few verses later in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus, the famous last words, he said to his church, you're going to receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, it happened. The Holy Spirit came on them. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house when they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The Holy Spirit fell, just as Jesus had promised. Fell on a bunch of scared disciples in the upper room. Some ways, these disciples were in a good place because the Bible says, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they were all together in one place. That's a good thing to do as Christians, come together. And they were praying all the time. They were all together in one place. They were having loads of prayer meetings. In some ways, what a great picture of the church. And yet that group of people were never going to change society. They were scared. They were scared that they were next to be crucified. The Bible says they had the doors of the upper room locked for fear of the Jews. So they were together in one place, but they were living with fear. Do you think it's fair to say that describes a lot of churches and a lot of Christians today? Good-hearted people, gathering for church, praying, worshipping, but never going to transform society unless they carry it out into communities, unless the Holy Spirit fills them, unless they're stirred to be witnesses, unless, the, unless something happens in their heart by the power of the Spirit that they become these irresistible, going people. Today, this service as we gather here at Kingsgate is almost meant to be like the 15-minute interval in a football game. Now, I had a horrific thing before this service. And, that, and I didn't even know this until today. And in fact, I wouldn't have even come if I'd known. <laughs> and that's that Dave Smith is a Manchester City fan. What a terrible thing. And the good news is that we're going out for lunch and I will have a time of ministry. We'll have some repentance. I'll give him his United shirt and it'll all be good. But uh, this is meant to be when we gather for church, if you like, the 15-minute interval in a football game. It is vital we gather. You know, this afternoon, Man United will play Aston Villa and it'll be 3-0 at half-time to United. And Ten Hag, the manager, will gather all the team and he'll gather them and someone will be like, what are you doing, you goon? You're not meant to be playing there, you're meant to be in there. Others will be like, well done, my son, what a great goal, you're doing great. Others will be need refreshment, they need their oranges, some will need massaging, they'll need direction from the manager. But the clock's ticking. The real action is what happens in a few moments' time. And in some ways, the real action is what happens in a few moments' time. We're going to be burnt out and knackered and exhausted if we just go, go, go all the time. Christians are meant to gather. The Bible says, do not give up the habit of meeting together. If you give up the habit of meeting together, you go off the boil. It is so important we come under good teaching and we worship and pray and serve in the local church and give to the local church. Vital, but the clock's ticking. The real action is in a few moments' time as we go and try and win some trophies for Jesus, if you like. 
bang some goals in the net, maybe stop the opposition, the enemy taking ground. You know, with those people who are on the front foot, the clock's ticking, God, let us be those people. Yes, we gather, but we're always gathering to go. We have a great commission. It wasn't a great suggestion. It's a commission to go into all the world. And a sure sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is that you go. In fact, I would say you're not filled with the Holy Spirit unless you've got a desire to go because that's what the Holy Spirit, He puts on your heart, what's on God's heart. I love that in the book of Acts, the emblems of the Holy Spirit, if you like, are wind and fire. When the Holy Spirit fell, they saw tongues of fire and they heard a sound like a rushing wind. Well, fire and wind can be terrifying. A tornado can take out a city in a few moments. A wildfire can as well, can't it? But similarly, a wind, a gentle wind on a beach on a boiling hot day is comforting. Or, a, you know, a little campfire in a cold night as we gather around contain campfire. And God knows what we need today by His Holy Spirit. If we need knocking out of our apathy, knocking off our feet so we go, God do it. If we need you to come, Jesus, and by your Holy Spirit, cuddle us in our brokenness and meet us in our need and patch us up so we can be healed, so we can become a healer, so we can be restored, so we can go and restore some others in your name. Do you get me? The Holy Spirit knows what we need. I remember when I was a baby Christian and uh, I went to hear an evangelist called Eric Delve. In fact, Michelle became a Christian over that weekend. And I went to hear this guy, this is like decades ago, but I will never forget him saying that, imagine if people on your street had terminal cancer. Imagine if they were dying. You know, imagine people in your family, your relations, your friends, and you had in your bedroom the cure to that cancer. You know, in a test tube in your bedroom. And you knew if you took it to them, they'd be healed and you didn't take it to them, Eric Dell said, you'd be a wicked person, wouldn't you? You surely, you'd take it to your worst enemies, wouldn't you? If you truly believed it works. I mean, and he said, we've got something far more powerful. People are separated from Christ for all eternity unless they receive the gospel. And it works every time. Every time people surrender their lives, make Jesus Lord, believe what he did for him on the cross, turn away from the sins every single time. Their sins are forgiven. They're going to heaven when they die. They've got a power to live like it. It works. We've got the gospel. How on earth can we keep it to ourselves? And we'd be banging on their doors. And we said, I'm sorry to be rude, but I've got the answer for your problem. You're going to die if you don't take this medicine. Do you get me? And it really touched me. And I feel back then, God gave me something of the heart and something of the gift of the evangelist. I'm not the best evangelist around, but this evangelist, Eric Delph, prayed for me. And really the last 45 years of my life have been defined by that, just trying to go, go. And honestly, I have no magic powers, but Jesus is here. And he said these beautiful words in Luke chapter 11. He said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And in a moment, we're going to ask the Father to give us the Holy Spirit, full to overflowing. We're going to ask, would you drench us in your Holy Spirit so we can go? Not so we can have the thrill of the fill. In fact, not for us, for them. A passion and an empowerment from heaven for Christians to go. We need it, don't we? We're not going to change Peterborough. We're not going to change this neighbourhood. We're not going to change the nations. That's what God wants got on this church and on individuals in it without a filling of the Holy Spirit to go. A filling so weak and you will be my witnesses, Jesus said. You'll be my witnesses. He said, didn't he? He said, you'll be my witnesses regionally, Jerusalem, Judea. Then you'll be intergenerations, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And we live in an incredible generation when the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth. You know that, don't you? I read this unbelievable book, astonishing book, except it is believable. Somebody gave it to me recently, The Future of the Global Church. And this fellow, Patrick Johnson, has done research on what God's doing on every nation in earth. The Spirit is being poured out like at any time, unlike any time since Jesus rose from the dead. That's what we're part of. We're part of the winning team, people. Sometimes when you live in Peterborough or England, you don't feel like it, but all over the world. And this is what Patrick Johnson, this massive piece of research, he said, the spread of Christianity is the most dramatic in global history. The expansion of Christianity up to 2023 has no parallel in human history. And at the heart of this revival is evangelical enthusiasm for missions and Pentecostal denominations and Christian networks spreading all over the world. It's not traditional old boring Christianity. It's the Holy Spirit being poured out on all sorts of denominations and all sorts of streams. And I heard Rick Warren say last week, the population growth in the last, since, 20, since 2000 has been half the growth of church, i.e. there's been twice as many people born again, spirit-filled around the earth as there has pe- babies been born. If you've just got eyes to see, God is doing something astonishing on the earth. I met a couple of Iranians last week, two separate occasions. Both said to me, me and my families would be dead if I hadn't fled to the UK. And yet within Iran, this brutal regime that wants to wipe the church out, is the fastest growing church in the world. How crazy is that? You tell me there's not a God. They're desperately trying to crush it. The more they crush it, the more it flourishes. You know, the largest church in the world is numerically China. It's mad, isn't it? Again, a regime that would love to wipe out the church. You can't wipe it out because we're on the winning side. We need some people who lift our eyes, move from fear to faith. God, you're doing something on the earth and I want to be part of it. Do you want to be part of it? I want to be part of what God's doing. But in order to truly be part of it, I need to just turn away from stuff that holds me back, run to Jesus and be filled with his spirit. And we're going to pray in a moment. We're going to pray in a moment that God fills Christians. But you know those verses in Luke chapter 11 aren't just for Christians, of course. They're for people who aren't yet Christians. And I'm not coming all the way from Manchester. I'm nearly done. But I'm not coming all the way from Manchester without giving people who aren't yet Christians the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. And and I just want to put it out there. If you're not a Christian, what are you doing? Ask Jesus into your life. Honestly, it works. 
every time. He'll forgive your sins. He'll give you fresh joy, a fresh peace. He honestly will. Yes, I'm not saying it'll be the easiest decision because you have to stand out for Jesus and stand up and you'll turn away from things. But he'll even give you power to do that if you ask it. There are not Christians all over the world and today more people are going to come to Christ than any time since he rose from the dead. There are not Christians all over the world who are like this. Wish I hadn't done that. Just, you just don't meet those people who truly mean it, who truly ask him to forgive the sins and, and fill him with his spirit, fill them with his spirit and empower him to go. There are people like that is literally the best thing I ever did. And honestly, if you're not a Christian, give your life to Christ today. Beautiful thing about Jesus is he says, anyone who comes to me, there's no way I'll turn them away. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. It's not like you have to have been through that course or done this. All you've got to do is genuinely want to make Jesus boss of your life. Genuinely with his help to turn away from the things that are holding back. And you'll go to heaven when you die. Honestly, it's that big. And so I'm not coming from Manchester. Before we pray that Christians can be filled to go without giving people. Let's just bow our heads for a sec. We have a little holy moment here. Lord, I pray you'll help us to see where we stand before you. And I pray, Jesus, that salvation will spring up this morning in this church. Nothing would bring us greater joy than seeing new people, new brothers and sisters coming in and giving their lives to you. So if that's you, if you know you need to give your life to Christ, maybe you've been far, far, far away from you. You don't even know if you're a Christian anymore. Somebody brought you along or whatever. Or if you know you're not a Christian, but you want to be a Christian, you want to give your life to Christ. I'm not going to make you come down the front or do anything. I just want you to raise your hand. Would you raise your hand right now if you need to give your life to Jesus? Come on. Yes, beautiful. I often say, you know, anybody here? I often say, be worth actually crawling from Manchester with broken glass through one or two people for one or two people because the Bible says they're rejoicing in heaven but if anybody else just need to say yes to Jesus this morning don't miss this opportunity because we're all going to we're all going to pray a prayer of full surrender yeah anybody else don't know what they're in the bleaches maybe you're just like Ugh. pray this prayer together and if you want to give your life to Christ for the first time if you've been far 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 away just make this your prayer let's all say it church together can we just encourage anybody new who's coming in right now pray this prayer after me and make it your own in your heart and your head to God dear Lord Jesus come into my life take away every sin and give me a fresh start thank you for dying on the cross for me Thank you that you're alive today. Be alive in me, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. And help me to live all out for you for the rest of my days. Amen. Just give the Lord a round of applause. What a gospel. What a gospel that changes lives. And honestly, if you did pray that prayer, especially if that was like the first time, um, there's a room to my right just as you go out into the foyer there's a room and they've got some packs that just give you a pack and pray God's best blessing on you make sure you do that 
please do that. Don't miss that opportunity. And even if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be a Christian, do that. If you brought someone along and you know they're not a Christian, would you do me a favour? Before we leave this place, would you dig them in the ribs and say, do we need to go there and sort out your eternity with God and sort out your, your destiny, the purpose for your living? Yeah, is that all right? But I said one more thing. just want Christians to stand in a moment because I want you to stand if you like and maybe even one or two people who've given their life to Jesus you need to stand as well because we're going to say would you fill me to go fill me so I can be your witness fill me to overflowing I need your power power and I've been on the back foot a bit perhaps and perhaps I've been a bit fearful in my workplace or, or with my family and my neighbours and I want to Holy Spirit boldness and urgency because what happened when the Holy Spirit fell on those disciples of course they unlocked the upper room they walked down a few steps and they were suddenly bold and 3,000 people came to Christ and the gospel spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the far ends of the earth and it was all the work of the Holy Spirit it wasn't suddenly Peter and James and John and co that got smarter it was the work of the Holy Spirit that's what we need isn't it we need him we need him we need him to fill us and send us give us strategies and wisdom and ideas and boldness so if you'd love that as I say I've not got any magic powers but Jesus said if you ask for the Holy Spirit as as if I'm going to give you any bad thing I'm going to give you this good thing to overflowing so if you want that this morning for witness so you can go in his name would you just stand in this place stand where you are if you want that and I'm going to pray with much faith as I've got that God just hits people this morning with an urgency and a passion for those around them, a lost world that's headed for a lost eternity. And we've got the Holy Spirit medicine to heal them for all eternity. We've got the gospel. I pray, Lord, you will fill your people. Just put your hands out to receive. I pray you'll fill your people. Fill them to overflowing, Lord, just as you did 2,000 years ago. Wind and fire in this place. Your Holy Spirit, not for us, Lord, not so we can have more, but so they can have more so you can have more people. So for the joy set before you, Lord, you can receive the reward you deserve. Lives laid down. Come on, Jesus, fill your people. Bless your people. Stir your people, Lord, to go. Don't let us just stand in a church. Let us stand out in a dark world, God. I pray, God, people will encounter you now and they will not be able to be the same. I pray they'll pray for the friends like never before. I pray they'll go to the families. I even pray fresh faith will come for people we've given up on. Yeah, people we've prayed for and witnessed to in the past and they haven't come through. I pray fresh faith by your Holy Spirit. Come Lord, come Jesus. Yeah, we've all got your Holy Spirit because we're saved, we've got that deposit, but we want to be full to overflowing, Lord. We want rivers of living water flowing from our inmost being. Please, God, don't let us miss this. A church that changes society. A church that brings great glory to you. A church that plunders hell, populates heaven, blesses the poor, brings honour to your beautiful name like never before. All by the power of your Spirit. Come, Lord. Come, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Send your fire, Jesus. Amen.